What's up, Tom? What's we're up? back today. I'm back. And today we're doing something super different, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what it is, but <laughs> what we decided we were going to do is we're going to go live to the supporters, to the super PAC, the people who pay the $4.99 a month, and we're going to have an unfucking censored discussion about hella shit. That's right. And then later we might, if if they're good, make this live to the main page mm-hmm. or not. Also, we can use all the swears now, like butt, poop, doo-doo head, booger butt. Dingle bop. <laughs> That's my favorite. Uh, oh, look, Logan, Lo, Logan's, uh, by the way, Logan's little lower thirds for us are, are fully, yeah, Tom Heineber, special. <laughs> uh, and we're going to read comments because these are people who are good enough to pay us to be here. Well, we were talking about this before the show. You were like, uh, I'm not going to call you a retard. I'm going to call you a pretard. A pretard because that's, retard yeah. is not a good word. We talked to Holly right. Tabor about this. You don't want to use that word. And then I said I was preturbed by this. <laughs> And then I let you know about prebiotics, and you thought I was joking, but those are real. Those they, are real. Tell me about actually, what fucking, who came up with prebiotics? What is that? Back when me and Logan were doing commercial work, we had a, like a meeting with a, you know, like a supplement company, and it was. Um, Wait, what? Wait, yeah, so you, uh-huh. what? And I, you know, I'm a whore for money. I'll do anything yes, for money. Yes, I do know. So that. I was going to sell these prebiotics and make a commercial, except the guy could not stop fucking talking about these stupid he'd be like you know the thing about Chinese bitters is they do this and this and that and I was like I'm just sitting there like that's not real this is bullshit <laughs> <laughs> well did you end up taking the gig then? So, no uh, he didn't have any money it so, was like this <laughs> I thought there was money but there was no money this is the thing it's not like pharma right where exactly. they're like yeah this is low sartan Apparently it, it's a 12 billion dollar yeah, a year drug nobody's buying prebiotics because <laughs> they don't work and they're useless so what's the premise it's before biotics like, it's like before you take antibiotics you're supposed to take prebiotics and then you take antibiotics and then you take probiotics afterwards. <laughs> it's a simple sequence. Yeah. So we learn Pre-anti-pro. about it in med pro I mean, I guess I, don't, I have no idea. We learn about it in med- Did you know Emma Hanby, who's writing in from the UK, says it's $3, it's 349 pounds in Britain. It's not 499 in dollars. Uh-huh. Can you believe that exchange rate? They're still screwing us across the, 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 the pond. <laughs> Like, how, how dare their currency be worth more per unit than ours? Don't you find, isn't that an affront? Like, that's I, why we had a revolt. That's right. Yeah. That's why we need to leave the European Union, even though we were never in it. <laughs> you know what? We should make the symbolic gesture of leaving the European yeah, Union. That's right. Like, let's take a vote. Who's out? I'm out. I'm out. I don't like the tags you guys put on the pillows that say you inspected them. That's bullshit. You anyway. know what? The Irish. Why? <laughs> why? Uh, so, dude, I want to ask you about I want to ask you about the Donald Hoffman podcast because I finally got around to listening to the Donald Hoffman podcast, which is, by the way, by the way, thank you for listening to the show we produce. <laughs> you I asshole. had some personal business I was dealing with, but yeah, you know. Anyway, you're gonna play you're gonna hard. play the family lost card, card, really. All right, card. I will accept it. This was the most obtuse podcast I ever listened to in my entire life. It is very hard to discern what's going on, but even though I'm a pretard and I don't know any of the math, right? It feels very intuitively correct to me what he's saying. And I'm kind of confused about some of the pushback I was seeing where people don't think um, that his conscious agent theory is accurate. Yeah. Well, you know, I think it probably behooves us. And yes, I use the word behoove because mm-hmm. I don't give a fuck, Tom. That's Liner. a good word. That's what separates me from other so-called hosts of middle of the work day fucking lives for <laughs> just supporters. <laughs> well, it, it probably it probably makes sense to 
kind of go through what he was saying in very simple terms. Yeah. So that people who are like, what, what would be your elevator pitch for what Donald for what Donald theory so Donald of consciousness Hoffman's is? Professor of cognitive science at Irvine, and what he proposes is it's twofold. He gets you initially by saying, okay, first of all, guys, you think reality is what you see. You think that our senses evolved and our perceptions evolved to show us the truth because it makes sense. Like, wouldn't you select evolutionarily for organisms that see the world as it is because then they'll stay safe and reproduce and have sex and eat food and have candlelight dinners. But it turns out he's done a lot of science on this, including looking at other organisms and how they perceive things. Uh, and what, what he found was organisms that actually see the universe as it truly is, in all its complexity, go extinct, like in a couple generations. It doesn't take long, and it's 100% true. And the more complex reality is, the more it's true, because what he found was in, in his computer simulations and in the real world, I mean, there's some bug in Australia that will fuck a beer bottle because it looks like its mate 100%, to the point where it'll go extinct. And the, 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 the truth is, the reason that is, is that we see the world as a series of icons that have evolved in our perception to keep us alive. So your graphical user interface, which I assume is very similar to mine, although you see all liberals as uh, just communist dots. No, I see them as uh, mentally ill. That, that as well, yeah. I understand, is your graphical user interface. So. <laughs> By the way, what's up with that Eugene Goo bullshit, man? <laughs> what the fuck? This guy is just what? You have like a special hatred for Eugene Goo. I really Goo, do. Don't you? Because yeah. he gives all doctors a bad name. Does he remind you of just like every bad resident you ever had, kind of? He reminds me of, yes, there's always one resident in yeah. every year who is pretarded. <laughs> and this guy, like, just, and, and, and you know, talk to people who work with him, and they're just like, no, that, he was that guy. Yeah. He was horrible to work with. Nurses have told me he was just, he was. He had, and the thing, but the thing is, do you do you blame him for that, or is he just born messed up? I don't know. I read this story about him that he said he had been assaulted by like an attending physician, right? And then the other report was that the attending physician had pushed him out of the way on a way on the way to a code. That's what I heard. That's not assault. And he was calling it racism. Yeah. So actually, this ties in perfectly to Donald Hoffman's theory. Right. The way Eugene Gu sees the world is a series of icons. It's pretarded. Yeah. It's pretarded. <laughs> he has. He has pretardition, yeah. so he's able to see like racist, <laughs> not racist, you know, black, white, this, this, that, and the other thing. And I actually don't know that he's doing this consciously. I think this is his right. interface. So the analogy made is a computer desktop. We see a trash can, but we don't. We know it's not really a trash can because we designed the computer. If you actually saw the electrons and the diodes and the transistors, you would go insane, and you certainly wouldn't be able to finish your pretarded email that yeah. you're sending out. So. That's his idea. Step one, we don't see reality as it is. Okay, well then, step two is, what is reality? <laughs> right? And this is where he goes in a direction that, to you and me, immediately, the minute we heard it, we were like, yes, that's correct. Yeah. The rest of the world, probably 90% of people are like, no. This make, no. No. And what it was is, well, then reality is actually, we've been getting it backwards. It's not, there's no atoms and tad. Right. Tad is not a physical object in space and time. Tad and everything is a series of conscious entities, just consciousness, interacting with itself. And he subdivides that into these things he calls conscious agents. And the reason he calls them that is because there's math to describe them and they behave like 
particular discrete entities, they can sum up into bigger entities and bigger entities, and you can reduce them into smaller entities. And again, we'll get into that, but the point is everything's consciousness. Start with that as the first principle, and then you can create a physical world, a physical world, which is what we perceive as icons. Right. So Tad doesn't exist, he's not this thing. He is a series of blue and red and sexy buttocks that I happen to see in my graphical user right. interface. Well, it makes more sense if you start with consciousness because right now, like, you know, uh, quantum theory can't, you know, take uh, electromagnetism and uh, gravity and put them together because they just don't stitch together Correct. under our reductionist theories, right? So what we do is we look at quantum particles and we call it spooky action at distance or whatever, and we're like, that's weird. That's a weird particle doing some weird things. It's like, no, no, maybe our whole model is wrong, <laughs> right? Like, this is exactly what it is. Yeah. So the physicalists, people who think the world is innately material and from material, it, it somehow magically emerges consciousness. Right. They invoke this magical step midway through everything. Yo, give us the big bang, it blows up, stuff happens, and then consciousness emerges. Well, you've just invoked magic at a late stage in your theory, and what Donald Hoffman is saying is, how about we start with something we all know is true, which is we all have conscious experience. It's the only thing we can purely say, everything else may be a lie, but I know that I feel a finger here, I feel Tad's very taut buttocks, which I don't know why I keep feeling them, but they're just really firm and I, I'm jealous. And so I know this is true, so let's start with experience and build a physical world from that. And quantum mechanics, which you mentioned, okay, a lot of Z-packers have forgotten quantum mechanics because we learn it in you know, physics and then forget it. But it said some shit that is fucked up. And the way that we like, to, like, like for example, a, 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 a photon, a piece of light, can be both a particle and a wave. And as a wave, it's just a probability of being somewhere. And it only settles down when a conscious observer actually measures it. Now, not only is that interesting, but it doesn't matter when that photon started its trip we retroactively create its history over 14 billion years from the furthest galaxy when we observe it. So this is so counterintuitive. And think about the way that people invoke um, the quanta right now, like people like Deepak Chopra, who invoke it with causal powers. And they're like, oh, it's uh, all quantum and the quantum and the quantum and, you know, and it's just like they're saying like magic. And then magic happens and then more magic and then some magic. Right, when, and Donald Hoffman says the same thing about uh, chemicals, and he's like, we, we ascribe causal powers to chemicals. Like, think about the way we describe mental imbalance. We say, oh, that's a chemical imbalance. It's like, is it a chemical imbalance? Yeah. Or is it not? Yeah. Because so, I'll tell you this, I have family members who are severely mentally ill, and when you add in new chemicals, it doesn't fix anything. What it does is, like my mother, who's on a heavy dose of risperidone, or risperidol, it just tamps her down tamps down her ability to fully express herself. It's a sedative, basically. But, but so, so what's interesting is what you're talking about now, and man, there's a lot, because Deepak, there's a, yeah, there's Deep, what, Deepak Chopra. If Hoffman's right, this changes like the if, entire if, nature so of reality. That's Hoffman why it's so is, interesting. If Hoffman is right, what he's saying is that serotonin, norepinephrine, these chemicals that we use to describe brain activity, and the chemicals we use to alter it, so risperidone, are really our monkey minds evolved symbolry. They're icons on a desktop. But what they really are, are conscious agents interacting in a grand social network where everything is just consciousness, all the way up and all the way down infinitely, which means the human mind is a series of subconsciousnesses that are each conscious interacting with each other and they sum up to what our experience is currently. So mental illness 
is an experience. It's an experience that drives a behavior. And behavior right. is simply action that's experienced by other conscious agents, yeah. including yourself. So what is risperidone? It's some agent that, that interacts with our own consciousness and does this stuff. What's the placebo effect? Yeah. It, it, it's the most powerful expression of if it is all consciousness, consciousness affects consciousness. So this material reduction, that's great for icons, and we can study that, and it doesn't mean pharma is wrong, it just means, well, a you know, an SSRI in the form of Prozac, which is a molecule, really is an iconographical representation of something really different. And if we understand what that difference is and we can start to predict its behavior, we can make changes in our perception, experience, behavior, and physical manifestation because a physical manifestation is just an icon of these conscious agents interacting with each other. Totally. And then you know you have to think about like is that are those interactions stored as data? There's this great Terence McKenna describes doing um, Ketamine as the difference between doing you know shrooms or uh, you know dimethyltryptamine or, or LSD or something. When he did ketamine, he said it was like going into an empty office building, as though no other conscious entities had ever been there before. And he was one of the first people to be there, and he was at that time when ketamine was introduced. And he had a similar uh, type experience with MDMA. Now, is this just his idea of what was going on? Is that real? Is it a real lived experience? It was real for Terence McKenna, and it's sort of interesting. It's sort of interesting because people who, uh, you know, ayahuasqueras in yeah. South America, people who first started, uh, you know, uh, Hoffman, who invented LSD, discovered LSD actually, uh, synthesized it, and realized its properties by accidental self experimentation. Yeah. They seemed to feel that they were privy to this experience of a different sort of consciousness that the molecule, which in microgram doses changes full consciousness, was doing to them. So psilocybin is a, is a plant molecule. People who have that experience will say, I felt more organically connected to the plant world, to all of life. Right. So uh, is there a component of that? Now, it's interesting because Hayden here said, I will give you five, uh, five bucks never to say Deepak Chopra's name again. <laughs> and I'll tell you, this is what I think of Chopra. So what Chopra does is he takes these ideas and he, he post-tards them. Yes. Uh, so whereas you are a pre-tard, <laughs> he's post-tarded. No, these are actually valid, scientifically measurable ideas. And that's what Donald Hoffman's saying. But he's like, no, it is all consciousness. And the universe is created, and you know, and, and then he uses science words yeah. like cortisol. It's panpsychism, basically, is Deepak Chopra's. Philosophy. Yeah, he's saying like these electrons have consciousness, yes. right? But what Donald Hoffman is saying is no, there's no electron. There's it's just, just consciousness. consciousness. Electron is our icon of right. what that looks like in the real world. Okay, now this is like this is super fascinating because in Hoffman's thing, you know, he's basically saying, okay, you start with just one. There's just one conscious agent, and then it combines with another one, and this is how you get varying complexities of conscious agents. This is how you get life, or you know. But think about it as planets. How does a planet form at the very basis? Two dust motes find each other yeah. in gravity, and they combine, and then two more, and then two more, and the gravity keeps pulling it together. Like that same thing with like uh, the way Nick Lane postulated that life starts is because you have under you have like volcanic vents in the sea, you have molecules bubbling around, one molecule has a weird hole in it and another molecule falls in, all of a sudden you have ATP structures, complex life, and this could be the very basis for all formation of everything within the universe, is two conscious agents connecting, and then two more, and then two more, and it goes exponential. And where this scares me to death is if you keep extrapolating on the ascending, descending line of our conscious state, you would get to demigods, you would get to... You mean Maui? Yeah, angels, <laughs> demons, you know, you would get to uh, a monotheistic god, you would get to 
basically everything up and down the hierarchy of conscious states. This is the central premise that Donald Hoffman is making mathematically. Yes. So he's saying, if the universe isn't physical stuff, because what you just said, like molecules fitting in receptors in volcanic vents, those are our icons in Donald Hoffman's mm -hmm. world of conscious agents interacting. Right, but that's the only, those are the only words I have yeah, to right, describe exactly. that too, because it's like when you do like a DMT experience, you know that- Which you have done. I've done. Yeah. And you know that when you come back, what you have seen cannot be described in words. It's like seeing the source code of the universe. It's you're, you suddenly have stripped all the iconography and you're not seeing the icons you normally see. You're seeing like the terminal of the desktop and you know you can't describe it with mm -hmm. words. So your monkey mind, your monkey mouth just starts making noises that you know the other monkeys will kind of sort of get what you're saying, but you know it'll never be a true representation of what you experience. So words like God, right. eternity, or love. Yeah, demigod, demon, angel, whatever, right. like, and right. all that kind of stuff. So you start is. to see potentially the origins of the great religions in these mystical experiences that the prophets may have had even. Right. Because you can access those levels of consciousness, drug use, meditation, mm -hmm. uh, flow states. So some people have these mystical experiences. Near-death experiences. Near-death yeah. experiences. And we materialize them and go, well, okay, well, that's the dying brain's lack of oxygen having this projection. Okay, and that may be true, but what is all that made out of, right? If the fundamental currency of the world is consciousness. And this is the thing, it's ineffable. You can't describe what consciousness is. Th think about that. Who are you really? Are you this like meat bucket walking around or are you the experience that's happening and who, to whom is that experience happening? When you keep regressing back in your mind, okay, what's having the experience? It's, you hit a darkness. Because right. <laughs> consciousness cannot really appreciate what it is itself. Now, now see, now you start to sound like Chopra. What, right. Cho what Chopra's actually trying to do is he's mysticalizing and popularizing this ineffability by giving it words that are dumb. Yes, and they never align with the truth, which is like right. Hoffman says, the true voice of God uh, is silence. Is silence. Right. That's right, because you cannot put words to the experience of that. And, and, Think and, about and, that in the, in the religious traditions too, like how often you sit in silence in a room full of people in almost every religious tradition. It's part of most of them, yeah. fasting, deprivation, sensory deprivation. Right. And then in many religious traditions, there's chanting, mm -hmm. trance, because those get you into a different mind state, yeah. a, different, uh, a different variant of your conscious experience. Now, what Donald Hoffman would say is that our experience, like I'm seeing you right now, I'm right. seeing the comments, which by the way, Michelle uh, Diane says, uh, does anyone ever talk about dream states and consciousness? I have crazy dreams. Michelle, there's a book called Waking Dreaming Being, and I forget who the author is, I'll try to put it in the link. They talk about all this. Uh, yeah. It's really remarkable, actually. One thing about a dream, too, like, you know, I can, like, I can see behind you out the window, there's cars behind you, right? And like, in a dream, I populate the dream with cars as well. Yeah. But it's all just, my own consciousness. Well, okay, so let, let, and, and you could think about a dream to life as a fractal. You know what I mean? Like there are nested layers of conscious experience. It, so that, getting to that, so I think what what Hoffman is saying is uh, the human mind, and and others have said this, mystics have said this. The human mind is a nested infinity of yes of 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 conscious agents, each building on the other. So when we talk about our subconscious. And he said this in my podcast, he teaches this big intro to psych class, right, at Irvine. So, you know, the thousand of the psych majors who are like, gotta learn psych. He says, yeah, 99% of, of our brain processes are, are unconscious. Right. But he says that's a shorthand he gives them. What he's really saying is, 
it is nested consciousness underneath, each of which is conscious in itself, but you're not aware of that. You're only aware of, you get a signal from that conscious agent in the form of, I really want chocolate today. Well, okay, so my free will says, I'm gonna go choose to go have chocolate. Where did that come from? It came from a conscious agent nested in your mind, a submind, if you will. Now, the thing is you can influence that submind down. That's what Donald Hoffman was saying about free will. A higher conscious agent, which is the mathematical sum, and he has equations for this, uh, can actually influence those subminds. So, like Tom today is talking to me about, you know, I really fucking like this new Taco Bell fucking bean burrito, whatever the fuck it is. The quesarito, bro. It's is that a thing? <laughs> Holy shit! You know, I actually stopped at Taco Bell and had one of those stupid Doritos tacos. I oh, was like, with this wrap yeah, with the. Oh. I was drunk. I was like, oh, this is gonna be amazing. I was like, hey, Uber guy, can we go through Taco Bell? And uh, I ate one of these. I was like, this is a dumb food for dumb people. I was like. <laughs> this is really good. This is really good, you guys. See now, now that you've said that, like my subminds are like, you really want some salty, crunchy goodness. And, and you know, exactly, I'm conditioning yeah, yeah. them. I'm yeah, yeah. conditioning them. So, you know, when we talk about surrounding yourself with smart people, having good conversations, listening to the right podcast, you're conditioning your subminds. They're actually conscious and you're affecting your your decisions. And take it further from from life, from your lived experience. There's a great you know, there's, there's this tradition that goes, not tradition, there's, there's an idea that goes through all uh, religious depictions of the afterlife, which is you go to the pearly gates, or in Buddhism you meet God, or, you know, uh, Horus goes through the underworld, et cetera, et cetera. And all of the hero's journey uh, elements of this challenge when you die are to accept that your low conscious state is the same as the high conscious state of God and that you are the same as God. And if you can accept that, like in Buddhism, you cease, uh, that's nirvana, and then you cease to reset and go back on the cycle of life. You don't get kicked down to a lower conscious state and then keep ascending up the chain. You just transcend into a nirvanic state. Bro. I totally knew I was God. Man, that's nirvana. No, actually. That's a, and that's something, it's something that Deepak Chopra says all the time that he actually gets right. Like, but yeah. he says it in the most, in the most, it's the most douchebaggy way you yeah. could ever say yeah. it. He goes, you know, something like, you know, I used to be a scared of God. <laughs> Sorry, I should stop being a new. But he's like, you know, I I'll used, do it for you. Tell I me used what to, to be say. basically like scared of God until yeah. I realized I was God. And it's like, Okay, that's a, probably a universal truth. The way you said it, bro. It's so gay. You're a douche. Just douchey, like, yeah. <laughs> you're just like, what are you you're doing? Trying to sell books and stuff, <laughs> you know, like. Well, see, but this is the thing. <laughs> and you know where, where I heard it first, uh, where it resonated with me in a way that, you know, actually emotionally connected, Eckhart Tolle. Eckhart Tolle. Yeah. You know why? Because he has a great voice. He has a great voice. So I'm His listening voice to the audiobook. Yeah. Some, you know, some hippie ass, dumbass was yeah. like, Z, man. I see your, you know, health 3.0 idea, man. You should listen to the power like, now, You bro. should listen to the power now because it changed my life. Yeah. And I'm like, dumbass. And then I listen to, I'm like, oh, it's audiobooks on sale. I listen to it and I'm like, he's like, you know, and, and Eckhart Tolle yeah. is like, now the thing is that when you look at your experience, every time it is now. And this is now, and this is now, and now is now. When you remember something, you are remembering it now. Yeah. When you, and I'm like, well, so the now is an eternal now and then he's like everything is consciousness so therefore and then he said something he got 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 it all riled up and he says so in the end death is an illusion and i was like oh <laughs> he's right 
right. Yeah. He's absolutely right. Why are we so scared of it's death? It's like waking up from a dream. It, waking up from yeah. a dream, or who knows? It doesn't matter. Well, why would you be scared of the unknown, uh, right? Like, since nobody knows. Well, and, and this is the thing, because we evolved our graphical user interface to fear death, to fear so dissolution of the ego, right. so we can stay alive. So, of course, you're being a good human if you fear death. Oh, and this gets me back to, this is the, this is the third eye. Like Donald Hoffman's uh, understanding that we can't see everything and that we have iconography to describe everything is that's our conception that the third eye is something that we have lost mm. and that if we had it, it would give us the ability to see again. Right? So, so what you're saying is this third eye that the yogis talk about right. is not a literal fucking eye. Right. It is the ability to see the truth. Well, maybe it is literal in the sense that like we have it from a reptilian state. Like there is some mm. ontology recapitulates phylogeny. Yeah, there you go on. again with that. And uh, <laughs> I love I learned that from you and I'm like I use it all the time. I learned it from watching you, Dad. It makes me sound so smart, bro. Dude, uh, bro. You know, so it's like yeah, there's some evolutionary past in us. We probably do have a third eye or something. And mm. like Descartes, like who you mm -hmm. who do Hoffman was talking about you know, thought it was the pineal gland. And like right. a lot of people have thought it was the pineal gland. Right. And so maybe there's some physical truth there, but really the metaphysical truth is like, we know that we can't see reality for what reality truly is. And right. That's the third eye, us right. envisioning us being able to truly see what's going on. Well, so, and again, I, I encourage people because I just put the transcript up for mm -hmm. Hoffman's class. So you can skip through and read the parts that are interesting. It gets real interesting about halfway through. Yeah. So that being said, does. how does this relate? And you know, I'm, I kind of want to read a couple comments real quick. Read some. Yeah. So, um, Rebecca Anthony, I just found out my son's heart failure is worse. He's 13. I Aww. wish there was no death. So, Rebecca, you know, and, and, and you know, this starts to intersect with spirituality and God and religion and these ideas. And the question is, you know, in the great religious traditions, they share this common, what they call the perennial philosophy, which is there is more to this than we see. Whether you believe in, you know, belief is the thing, right? So like Sam Harris would say, belief is bullshit, empirically test. And meditation is a form of empirical testing. Mystical experience is a kind of empirical testing. It's hard to say whether you're seeing the world, but for Rebecca and her son, uh, the more you actually investigate reality, the more, it's tough because you know people who've had uh, high dose psychedelic experiences, have mystical experiences, right. dealing with loss. So, and, and they all describe, almost to a T, the realization that the person who is lost is not lost, that nothing is lost, that we really are eternal creatures. It's just a particular manifestation or a particular agglomeration of conscious agents that behaves as Tom, behaves as Zubin. Those can dissolve and be part then again of another Right. Amalgam. And we're all part of something bigger, a bigger amalgamation that Hoffman is actually scientifically trying to predict and figure out if we can access through, through actual science, which is what got me interested because I'm not someone who believes. I'm someone who has to be shown or right. experienced because of the whole science thing. Yeah. So let's I, I'm a believer. Are you? I trust my gut. Mm, I trust that's my That's how you work, though. Yeah. But empirically, I go out and experience things. Mm. So I mean, I don't trust. I don't trust other people because I have, uh, you know, 
I'm defiant just like you are. I'm right. oppositional, oppositional defiant, defiant disorder right. as well. That's, I don't know how we get along. Right. Yeah, we should hate each other. <laughs> well, we're, we have a, uh, <laughs> we're, we're partners and neither of us is in charge. If one of us was in charge, it would oh, just all be fall done. apart. It would fall yeah. apart, yeah. But like, you know, like when the priest would tell me things in Catholic school, I would be like, you know, is that true? It doesn't seem true because you said it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, So yeah, I have yeah, to go yeah. experience it for myself. And so I would do things like drugs or meditation or whatever and, you know, I'll tell you this, when I set my intention to like see beyond the iconography, like mm. to go into a DMT state and really like my intention was, I wanna know what's going on. I wanna be shown the secrets of the universe. Mm. And then when I got them, I was like, I don't want them. Take, <laughs> take them back. Take them back. Take them back. I yeah. can't go back and live with this knowledge. I could die with this knowledge. Right. You know what I mean? Right, but and I, that, that's a distinction. And I could transcend with this knowledge, but I cannot live with this knowledge. And I do think at the moment of death, there will be some sort of, we have endogenous DMT in our brains. Right. And I do think there is some sort of endogenous DMT dump. That's not scientifically based. That's just a belief. And I don't know if anybody can really truly prove it yet. Hard to test. Yeah, hard to test. But, you know, what you said is interesting. You cannot live with this knowledge. This is exactly what Donald Hoffman is saying. Let's, let's, let's be more specific. You cannot survive as a human being with the knowledge with the knowledge right. of what the universe really extinct. is. Yeah. Because A, you would go crazy, but B, you couldn't have food, go to Taco Bell, reproduce, because all you would see is zeros and ones in the sense that you would see the bigger picture without seeing the icons that have evolved over hundreds of millions of years to keep your ass alive. Right. That train, even though it's not really a physical train, is something serious that can wreck your amalgamation of conscious agents so that you're no longer Tom Heineber if it hits you. So you take it seriously. This is why what Rebecca is going through is like so hard for, and for anybody who has to go through you know, the illness of a child or the death of a child because it betrays all our biological instincts. Mm. Because evolutionary biology is to pass on the, I mean, think about this. Like, think about all of the, um, all of the famine and war and rape and poverty and drought that your ancestors had to go through for you to be where you are. Mm -hmm. There is a lot riding on you, mm. on your genetic branch, right? Mm. And so when that happens to us and it does happen to people, it feel it's like one of the worst things you can feel because mm. you know that it's going against your evolutionary mm -hmm. biology. But if you can transcend that and say, you know, it was never really about that. It was about the times we shared together and mm. the experience of being together. And that's what the Be Here Now and the Eckhart Tolle and the Power of Now and all that stuff is all about. It, it's spirituality 101. And that's why we live forever, because we live forever in the moment. The moment is infinite. Now is infinite. So, okay. And you sound like a Deepak Chopra when no, you say No, no, that, but it's absolutely but true. But that's a universal truth. In fact, in fact, you don't have to fucking invoke magic mm -hmm. to understand that now is the only thing that has ever existed in all of eternity. Right. The Big Bang happened now. Yeah. Right? The dinosaurs happened now. Right. Now, here's something else related to what it's you said. It's a blockchain. Time is a blockchain. You always would bring it back to the blockchain. <laughs> Time is a blockchain. You're a blockchain movement guy, a BM guy. <laughs> so, so here's the thing. Uh, Rebecca dealing with a sick child. There's all this talk in, in circles of, of the imminent, in other words, the real world, the real world, our icons, and the transcendent, which is what you're talking about. We can live simultaneously in both proudly and effectively. So in other words, you don't have to just transcend your child's suffering and understand it's part of it. You can be there with them and cry and rage and hit things and scream. 
and you know hug them. But at the same time, you can understand that we're also bigger than that. It's like this, like Hoffman would say, yeah, it's a glass, a half-filled glass of water, and you can see it on that level, but you can also dive into it and realize it's these electron probability crowd, clouds vibrating with, with potential. Yeah. And it's both at the same time. Nikola Tesla said, um, if you want to understand the universe, you want to understand vibration and frequency. And he was like, that's what you really want to look at. It's interesting because the band and, Tesla uh, is a terrible band. And that's what, and that's what the woo-woo people do. Right? Yeah, they're like but frequency. Everybody man. at Burning Man, or who just <laughs> left Burning Man, is like, you know, it's all about vibrations, man, and frequency, man. Plur, man, you know? <laughs> Plur, yeah. Peace, Peace love, love, unity, unity and respect, respect, man. It's vibrational. <laughs> but you know what? They're right. They're all right. They're all kind of right. They're yeah. all right. It, 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 they're high, They just don't right. know how to say it. Yeah. They don't know how to say it without looking like when total you, tools. And when you have these peak experiences, you come back, you look like a total tool bag. Like, yeah. after I did dimethyltryptamine, I came back, and I was just like, here's the thing, bro. <laughs> we all just got to live, man. You know, you know when, I, when I've done MDMA, <laughs> right. uh, I I will literally feel love, compassion, and yeah. empathy for every living creature, no matter how evil and they it are. It goes against your biology. It goes against, it goes against evolutionary biology yeah, because, because you're not you're supposed saying, to do that's that. That's not the thing, man. You're mm. supposed to get a Mercedes, and then you're supposed to get yep. a big house, and then you're supposed yep. to, you know, like make a lot of children, yep. man, and like yep. you know, well, you know, whatever. It's those are the instincts of the culture. And, and now, know? speaking of the culture, so Erica Wolf has a good art, a good comment. I read an article about the possibility that the brain is like a consciousness tuning device. Now. Here's what I think about that theory. It's fucking bullshit. Yeah. Because what it implies is a dualism. It implies that there is matter, the brain, and, and there is consciousness. Yes. Donald Hoffman is saying, why the hell would you violate Occam's razor, which is the simplest explanation? It's all consciousness, and the brain is simply what we see in our iconography when we look inside a skull. But what it really is is much more complicated. It's this social network of interacting conscious agents that appear to us as neurons and blood vessels and glial matter and tissue and you know gooey three pounds of gooey junk that the physicalists have the fucking audacity to say somehow magically creates consciousness. You know, it's enough to piss you off. Man, it's so complicated. <laughs> it's so complicated like, when you start hey, to think about it. Hey, look at this brain. It's goo, but you know, an emergent property of the goo is, is awareness, the feeling of the taste of chocolate. Yeah. Shut the fuck up. You're invoking magical thinking by saying that. Well, and I think it's hard for us too because, you know, like Neil, I think Neil deGrasse Tyson has this saying where he's basically like, the universe is under no obligation to, to make, sense, make to you. sense to make you. Make sense to yeah. you, yeah. yeah. Because, <laughs> and that's where we start to break down. That's the edge of the map where you're like, okay, this hurts my brain. It literally hurts my brain. When I found out that there were nested infinities yeah you know yeah. that hurts my brain that there yeah. are different infinities different levels of infinity that's crazy like some things are more infinite than other infinites yes right that's, and that and that's neil degrasse that hurts my brain yeah because it, it your brain hurts. is not evolved to understand nested exactly. infinities michelle diane says something i want to comment on maybe my problem is not enough drugs lol yeah hell yeah it Do is your more. problem <laughs> no so 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 <laughs> let, let me let me explain what i'm saying so in, my, in Michael Pollan's book, which I know you think is for normies, for people who haven't done enough drugs. Yeah, that's not for si us true psychonauts. That's yeah. right, yeah, you and me, right? <laughs> no, the, 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 the idea he says is that um, people who have these psychedelic drug experiences, whether it's LSD, psilocybin, DMT, MDMA, whatever it is, they uh, come back saying this kind of shit and people discount it immediately and go, you're, how high were you? Totally. What the fuck? Whereas what they've had yeah. is a profound mystical experience that they can't put into words, so they say things like God is love and all this bullshit. Now, I think, and this is my own bias, 
I did LSD in college and it uh, fucking, it was like a switch snapped in my brain where suddenly I was like, oh, oh, I get it. Yeah. I don't know what it is I get, <laughs> but at the time, you know, right away. And it's yeah. so true. It's so ineffable. You can't describe it, but you come out of that going, I'm a different person. That's why Steve Jobs used to tell people, hey, have you done acid yet? You need right. to do acid. But now the truth is though, you don't have to use drugs. You can get there with meditation. You're right. Now, sometimes drugs are really easy because they show you where you're trying to go. Yeah, right away. So you can get there, you know? And, and one caveat to that is having an acid trip with a bunch of idiots in a bad set, bad right. mindset, bad setting, you're gonna have a shitty time. Oh, I had like a panic attack when I, when I did DMT in my apartment because I came back and living in this shitty apartment. There's beer bottles all over the floor, old <laughs> McDonald's bags. I'm just like, Ugh. Lupas. Yeah. I feel bad. I don't know why, but I feel bad. And, you know, so <laughs> set and setting is very important. It's crucial. You have, to, you have to sort of ceremonialize the whole thing <laughs> instead of just being like, hit the bong, dude. So, 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 so it's interesting. So Miranda Allworth says something that I think I want to comment on directly. And first of all, Miranda, thanks for being, thank you to everyone who's a supporter who's watching this. Uh, it's great to see that there's so many comments. On yeah. Like, it, there's like hundreds of comments. I'm afraid of drugs and not feeling in control of my body, but these experiences sound amazing. Now, the whole point of drugs is to give up control. You give up control, yeah. but here's the key. You have to be with somebody or something that gives you a who sense you of trust. safety, who, who you, trust. you trust. And yeah. in Michael Pollan's world, in his book, How to Change Your Mind, he says that's a, a, a spiritual, uh, it's a psychedelic guide. They know how to do this. And this, this goes into you know, medicine. We talk about the FDA just approved psilocybin for depression treatment. What? The FDA just approved this. Actually approved it or yeah. approved the study of it? Approved. It might be the study mm. of it. Yeah, I'm going to have to look it up because I didn't read past the headline. <laughs> Because I'm one no, of those. No, 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 no. But, but because I was just the, like, that's dope. And of the reason is because, because psilocybin is still a Schedule One drug like cannabis, meaning it has no known medical use according to the FDA. So you cannot approve it for anything, but you can approve trials. Okay, so it's probably a trial. I bet that's what it is. And this is so wonderful because we need to study the fuck out of this stuff. People at end of life, people with cancer, people with what they call existential distress. Okay, it's for a trial. FDA approved psychedelic magic mushrooms ingredient psilocybin for depression trial. I'm so But happy. hopefully if it's successful, then we can get you know guided psilocybin experiences and things uh, Miranda listen to the audiobook of Michael Pollan's book how to change your mind and you will change your mind about drugs a guaranteed which by the way you and I are kind of libertarian on the drug thing we think oh, they totally. should be legalized yeah, yeah. but that just because they're legalized doesn't mean everyone should be going out and doing acid because you will have yeah. a bad experience yes you will have an experience I, the bad trips I've had are memorable like memorable as hellscapes on earth. Yeah. Like where every, so this is what it is. This is, no, this is so interesting. This may actually even be the way that we fix American culture and like some of the original sins of America. You know what I mean? Like we, we. Now wait, now we, Timothy Leary was saying this we shit. We perpetrated a genocide against the Native American people, right? And so in order to really fully heal as a nation, we probably need to bring back some of their rituals, which were very spiritually important. You know what I mean? Mm. Like you could see that as having a case for that. It's the same right, reason we right. should have reparations for black people. Like, and people think I'm the most conservative person they've ever heard talk. Hmm. I totally believe in reparations. I've, ne I've never heard you say that. 100%. Well, you know, it's interesting because, you know, again, and you'll get pushback from people saying, well, you know, now you're just popularizing their, your, your culture stealing or what is it called? Uh, oh, that's bullshit though. Those people can fuck off. Like, I agree with yeah. that. 
Yeah. All of culture is fucking appropriation. <laughs> exactly. Appropriation is beautiful. Yeah. I love appropriation. It is. You know what I love? I love when I see a white girl making sushi and she's making it better than the Japanese guy. I fucking love that. <laughs> you know? Oh my God. This... That's I'm right. bluffing I, I is loved, to die for. I love when I see a fucking Chinese basketball player yeah, and he's right? kicking everyone's yeah, ass. Yeah, it's like, true. I love it. I yeah. love cultural preparation. Yeah, I Hit me too. with some more cultural preparation. Vanilla ice. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. I hate him. But <laughs> <laughs> every, everything else is fine. <laughs> Cornelia Day says, I really wish I could take part in that trial. So I'm sure they're recruiting. Oh, totally. Um, and you can by just buying drugs off the street and yeah. doing them at home. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Do not listen to Tom Heinever. You will have a bad trip. Here's an interesting story. So I listened to a podcast with, it was a radiologist who was an accomplished adept meditator. So had been yes. meditating for 20 years. So he could get into those states of psychedelic mystical experience through meditation. He had never done a psychedelic, which actually is tremendously unusual for adept meditators because often psychedelics are their gateway to go, oh, I've seen yes. the goal. And now I should get there. And now I will get there legitimately without this molecule. And uh, so what they did was he was part of a trial at Johns Hopkins where they put him in a, a FMRI oh, I this scan. Guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he got on this podcast and he was talking to the. It was the podcast called Buddhist Geeks, and it was uh, it's run by a guy who I actually did an hour session with online as a trial. He was a meditation instructor. Yeah, yeah. And the session was totally dumb, but <laughs> but the podcast was amazing. Actually, it wasn't. I, I got something out of it, which is I don't need a teacher that teaches me via Skype. Yeah. It doesn't feel right. So. What he described his experiences, he does high-dose psilocybin, like ego-dissociative psilocybin. Yeah. And he's in the scanner, and he describes his path, and it was a beautiful description of the mystical experience. You know, he goes through, he relives these traumas from his past. He, he, he finds that he's uh, looking at aspects of his personality until his ego itself dissolves. And then he, he's, a, he's meditating, so he's trying these different meditations, and he, he snaps right into the state, yeah. you know, and just describes it in a way, and this is a scientist, a radiologist, someone who's like me, who's been through the conditioning yeah. mill of science, and he comes out going, yeah, motherfuckers need to do this. Well, and okay, so we're making like a strong recommendation to do psychedelics, and for people who've never done psychedelics, you should know that it is not a recommendation to do them on like a weekly or monthly basis. No, no, these no. are to be used very sparingly. Right. Timothy Leary used to say, when you get the message, hang up the phone. Like you should not be continuing to do this after you've had a breakthrough. Yeah. You should do them a couple times during your life, maybe like three or four times spaced out over decades. Yeah. You know, like I had an experience when I was like 22 mm. uh, with dimethyltryptamine, and I don't think I will have another experience again until 35, maybe 40. Yeah. Then I'll have another one closer to death or mm. like maybe 60, early 60s. Then maybe if I make it to 80, have another one then. They're kind of like reminders. Yes. Yeah. They help break through, uh, you know, the dogma that you've that right. you've built, the walls that you've built around yourself. You break them back down and you say, what's real, what's not? And when you do a really high, I know you've never done a really high I level one. Yeah, I have not. When you have a really high level one, you come back to the world and you feel like a newborn baby. Yeah, And that right. sounds weird. No, it's a recurrent theme. Well, you're yeah. looking at everything with such extreme novelty that you're like, oh my God, this is life. This is what goes yeah. on here. And you remember living. You remember your life from before. It's not like you, you lose yourself entirely. Right. But it's like wiping the hard drive. It's like wiping the graph graphical user interface. And you're looking at just two folders. All the regular icons are there, what a tree looks like, et cetera. But then there are two folders. And one says, my old bullshit. Yeah. And one says, my new life. My right? new life, yeah. And you can look at each one and be like, my old bullshit seems pretty comfortable. I know about all that. I'm going to dive back into that. So, 
You know what? It gives you the, the, the choice. No, you're spot on. Yeah. But, but here's an interesting thing. You don't even have to necessarily do high dose psychedelics to have that experience. I had that experience when I moved to Vegas with this uh, uh, a woman who was, you know, top of the world fashion, worked for top of the world fashion designers, f fell apart emotionally, ended up getting into yoga and became really kind of like a priestess of like a kind of a, a yogi herself. Yeah. So through Tony Shea and these people, I met her. We ended up just like smoking weed one night. And she's like, okay, let me tell you what I see in you because I've known you for a month now. And she took me on this path where she looked at my ego, said, this is who you are. This is what you do. This is what you, but this is your life. This is your wife. This is your kids. This is it. And dissolved it all. And it took all night. And I'm just sitting there just, you know, by the end, I'm like, yeah, I'm crying. All this shit's happening. <laughs> and then by the morning, I'm like, I'm not going to remember this. And I remember just having this epiphany, like everything happens now. I don't have to be the same person I was five minutes ago. Right. The ego is an illusion and I can be better than that. And everything's connected. Well, I didn't do high dose psychedelics. And I thought, I'm going to forget this. It's not going to happen. The minute I woke up in the morning, I was like, that happened. My life is different. Reboot from now. Totally. And that effect still stays with me today. It's okay. And people think this is just bullshit, that it has no practical application in your life to think this way. It's like, what am I going to do, man? I'm just going to be in, in the now, man. My now sucks. You don't even understand my life, bro. My life is terrible, right? And it's like, okay, but listen, one thing leads to another. It's immutable. That's one, this moment leads to the next. That's Eckhart Tolle. It's just now, and then now, and then now, and then now. There's a chain of nows, right? Mm -hmm. So the decision- Each conditioning the yes. next now. So even yeah. if you don't care about the now, if you care about your future, you should care about the now, because the now leads to the future. Mm -hmm. And when you make these adjustments, it's like adjusting course on two ships, right? If you have two ships going in parallel, and you start adjusting one by degrees, by the time you've gone all the way over here, this ship is so much further from the other one. So this is so a, that is why you need to take it seriously you, and you need to do it and make new decisions in your life right now. This is ancient wisdom that sounds so fucking cliche. But it's but true. It's fucking, think about it. Yeah. From the big bang until now, there's only now. Every moment conditions the next. In other words, causes and conditions in that moment determine what the next moment is. Yeah. So future is an illusion. And listen, it's simple. Yeah, this it's is not, so it's not, simple. It's complicated. But yeah. it's not easy. Yeah, oh yeah, good luck doing it. Nothing well, in life is easy. What you said you is know? like someone complains, well, my now is so shitty. What Eckhart Tolle would say yeah. is that why is it shitty? It's because of all the now uh, 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 labeling that you've put on what is a raw experience. Yes. Like, ah, oh, you know, I'm, you know, this thing is half empty and I'm thirsty and this fucking sucks. Well, no, what's real? That's your, that's your spin on what is a raw experience. So actually you can influence how you think about events that yeah. create a, a series of causes and conditions that lead to happiness. My wife was telling me that she has a friend that adopted a little girl from Africa, right? When she was two. And now this little girl is six and she still has a lot of problems mm. surrounding food and surrounding her safety and comfort. Of course. And she wakes up with like, you know, basically night terrors about uh. all these things. And it's because she came from an actual famine. Okay, now think right. about all the people in the first world who have famine level thinking and they're surrounded by abundance. Yeah. Like the, the choice is yours. Yeah, this yeah. little girl I'm sure will probably work her way out of this personal hell eventually. Right. Right. And like it's not fair what, what she grew up in. Right, but at least she has somebody who loves her now, and mm. she's in a good place now. If you're the kind of person who grew up in a shitty environment in an emotional famine here in America, that's just as painful. Mm. It's not to say it's not as painful, mm. but look around. You're surrounded by abundance. Like mm. you can make 
your own life. Like, you can get out of this shit. This is why I fucking hate the victim mentality. Right. And, and I get so many emails, dude, like from people, like there was one, there was a medical student who was really hurt that I would defend, you know, this magazine's right to, to, to print these really sexist comments. Right. And part of her reasoning was, I don't want to think that my colleagues feel this way about women. I don't want to feel like I have to prove myself all the time. Right. And, that, and all of that is true. Those are valid feelings. But those feelings are also, they're your own. They're your own. Yes. You know, other people's causes and conditions on you, it's all how you frame your experience. Like you said, when, when you have the high-dose experience, you yeah. come back with a refreshed graphical user interface. Well, all the conditioning is gone. This was, I was telling you about incels, remember? And you'd never heard of incels Incels, before. tell me about, tell these and guys so, about incels. So for, for the audience who doesn't know what an incel is, an incel is an involuntarily celibate. They're always male, of course, right? They're involuntarily celibate males who've gone through high school, college, and still have not been able to copulate you know, seal the deal. Seal the deal. Yes. Right? And so they're telling themselves a narrative, and the narrative is, I'm fundamentally broken because of, they always go back to their bone structure, and they say, listen, it's just a few millimeters of bone that makes me different from people who are fuckable, basically. And they call the guys <laughs> that are fuckable chads, and they're like, these fucking chads, they just think it's so easy because they have good skeletons or whatever. And what are they saying about their skeleton? They're saying, this is something that's unchangeable to me because your skeleton is relatively unchangeable, right? They're saying, this is something that's inherent. It's, my, it's the core of my being. Mm. I'm broken. I can never be fixed. Mm. It's all because of an unlucky roll of the dice. And this is why it's like, man. And people, and the, the, the forum online is called our brain cells because Reddit shut down the incel forum because it was getting really dark. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's yeah. really yeah, dark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And these guys, like the Elliot Rogers kid uh, who's the Santa Barbara shooter, you know, he was yeah. one of these guys. Oh, and so really? sometimes it, it goes into this violent sphere where yeah. they spray out their violence and anger against the world. But what's interesting about the forum is people go on there, like women go on there, and they mother the shit out of these guys, and they're just basically like, sweetie, listen, you need to get a hobby, you need to try talking to women without a bunch of sexual energy behind it, you need to like figure out how to be a person that people wanna be around. It has nothing to do with your bone structure. And they, they, they post these pictures, of themselves, and they're like, hey man, to the other incels, and they're like, rate me, am I good looking enough? Like, do, what do you think? And like, they all tell each other, like, they're piece of shit. It's like, yeah man, your brow ridge is fucking fucked up, and <laughs> like, you don't have a strong chin, you look like a little bitch, no, no woman's ever gonna watch you. Look at your weak wrists, you're so feminine. They say these mean things to each other, and they go, thanks for telling me the truth, bro, like, I, I appreciate it. They're eating but it up, I yeah. Went through, I went through the pictures, these are all like, very normal looking guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. Some of them are very ugly, but, Listen, Harvey Weinstein was the ugliest man in Hollywood, and because of power, and he money, raped his way because to, yep. of power, money, and respect, a lot of those women, those were consensual. Like, he's not a good person. I'm not saying he's a model for what you should do, <laughs> but I'm saying that it is capable. It, it's possible, right? Yeah, yeah. You don't have to be stuck in incel dumb forever. You don't have to tell yourself. This is how I'm getting back to. It. You don't have to tell yourself the narrative, the story that you are permanently damaged and no one will ever love you. Why would you continue to tell yourself well, that story? You know? <laughs> you know, and, and it sounds like a lot of these guys are depressed. and de Super depressed. Mean, obviously, it's very, you know the pain of being, a, you remember what it was like to be a 19-year-old male. It fucking sucks. It yeah. sucks. Yeah. It sucks so bad. Well, because when women are 19, the older dudes swoop in and like, you know, they got money and cars and whatever, and you're like, I'm just a loser going to yeah. college. And, and so your best bet is other 19-year-old girls, and even they don't want that much to do with you because right. they know you're a loser and right. you know you're a loser <laughs> you know
<laughs> well, you know, but, but so it's interesting is depression is a self-fulfilling causes and conditions of negative thinking about, and, and it's a pattern, yeah. and it's just, okay, no, I'm horrible, I'm worthless, I'm not good enough. Uh, and that and ruminating about the past is depression, ruminating about the future is anxiety. This is why high IQ same people are, are more often depressed because they can tell themselves more elaborate stories. Oh, it's and, great. And it's harder for them to find their way out of the elaborate story that they told themselves. Yeah, you know what's amazing about being smart is I think what, what they do, and again, I'm gonna pretend that I'm smart. <laughs> what we'll do is we'll, we'll, uh, we'll go, well, the rest of the world is not, you know, like that person who's saying nice things about me is just not smart enough to know see how broken I, how really broken am. I uh -huh. am. If they 100%. could get in my head and see what a fucking piece of shit I am. Yeah. And then it just feeds and feeds and feeds. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Whereas I think sometimes, you know, it, Blair Duddy said it on the show, ignorance can be bliss. Like if you're just like, you know what? The present moment, man. And you're not overthinking that shit. Happiness is yours, <laughs> you know? Well, and this goes back to the whole, the, this is the incel thing. Like the, the guys mm. that they call chads. They're not really always that much better looking than those guys. They're a lot just, of times, what they are is, uh, you know, they're high psychopathy. Yeah. <laughs> and the guys who are high psychopathy, they tend to have much higher notch counts than guys that are high emotional intelligence or, you know, high empathy. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Because they're not they're not worried about other people's feelings or their own feelings. Exactly. Yeah. They're just going. It's interesting. So Michelle Diane said, "Did Tom just defend Harvey Weinstein?" No. <laughs> yeah. No. I didn't. He's a piece of shit. <laughs> I would never defend Harvey Weinstein. I'm saying, you I'm, to, I'm saying he was a super ugly male. Yeah. And he managed to, like his wife, you know, his wife, that was a voluntary relationship. And she, she was smoking hot, all right? Mm. All the raping and stuff is like horrendous and we should kill him. <laughs> like, so you're not, you're not, you're not in the Chappelle camp? He, he rapes, but he saves? He was an ugly male who succeeded in mating. Yeah. And so being yeah. an ugly male is not... Uh, the worst thing that can In other words, it's not a deal breaker for reproduction. Mm -hmm. What what is a deal breaker is your own mind. Yes. Yeah. Well, and it, you know, so let's see. So uh, let's read some comments. It did kind of sound like I defended him. Though. Yeah, there are a lot of people who are like Tom. <laughs> see, the thing is, I know Tom, so I know he's not defending fucking Harvey Weinstein raping people. <laughs> well, sometimes you need to use an extreme example to make a point. <laughs> I know you could have used like Gene Simmons. Well, he's an ugly motherfucker. But Gene he Simmons is ugly. Right. And he gets laid all the all time. All the time. Yeah, that's true. Uh, he's really ugly. Yeah, I mean, good God, when he takes the makeup off. Like, if I was one of his girlfriends, Are you I'd probably Gene? be like, Gene, why don't you just leave the makeup on? I love bro. how you're cyberbullying Gene Simmons. <laughs> He'll be you're like, fine. you're so he, ugly. Your skeleton is so fucked up, Gene. He, he can take it. Yeah, I think he can, because he's rich as fuck. Uh, he's a good Jewish boy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. He's from Israel, originally. Uh, originally? Is that mm -hmm. right? Oh, he, he had to... Okay, so here's an interesting story. Side note. I learned this when uh, I was taking vocal lessons to try to figure out how I was going to fucking sing seven years. Yeah. She told me that Gene Simmons came with a thick Hebrew accent. He did, yeah. And what he did was, he, he talks about this in, in interviews, he decided in order to succeed, and he speaks like, in order to succeed in the United States culture, I needed to learn the accent that is associated with success. Yeah. And that is the mid-Atlantic accent. Yes. It is the accent that the news anchors use. It is, you don't hear a news anchor going, well listen y'all, now here's the thing about Anwar Sadat, right. he was a bitch. Right. No, you hear them go, uh, Anwar Sadat today uh, had a diplomat. I don't know why I'm stuck in 1979 <laughs> with Anwar Sadat from Egypt. So the idea that then he consciously made an effort. I, I did this. When I moved from Arkansas, I was like a little twangy. And I was oh. like, yeah, you know, the thing is, y'all, uh, <laughs> you know, whatever. Yeah. And so I got rid of it because yeah. I was just like, oh, that's not going to fly out here on the West Coast. Like, 
yeah, I have to talk like, eh, bro, the thing is, bro. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can't yeah. be like. Hella, you gotta say hella all the time. I can't be like, y'all, this is not fair, y'all, you guys. Listen, I can't do that. Yeah. No, it won't I'll oh, bless your here. little heart. I'm gonna need some insurance. Uh, <laughs> you gotta put the accent on the in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Insurance. Did any of y'all guys have an umbrella? Uh, Lisa Mingus says, what's wrong with being a virgin? Hey, Gene is a good looking dude and he's a good man. And that's all I can see because anytime I try to go further, it just shows me emojis. But there's nothing, yeah, I know, I'm having that problem. It's fucked up. There's nothing wrong with being a virgin It's if it's voluntary, but these right. guys are saying, They're it's, saying it's, it's involuntary. involuntary. Yeah. They I want to get laid. I don't laid. want to be a virgin. Although, do yeah. they really want to get laid? Because then they have to look at their life and go, I'm not uh, trapped in a, in, a, in a ineffectual body. I actually have agency and responsibility and I have to do stuff well, I told and I have you to this, step up. I told you this story. There was an amazing story on one of the forums where they call the they call alpha females Stacy's, like really attractive women. Those the incels st- do this. Yeah, there's Stacy's yeah. and then really attractive men are called Chad's. And uh, there was this guy who was like, I'm a, I'm a study cell, meaning like I use study to cope with being involuntarily celibate. So I would study my way through high school and whatever. <laughs> I think and that correlation like, and causality might want right. to be reversed. And yeah. he's like, uh, you know, so, so I study my way out through high school, study my way out through college. I think, you know, whatever, I'll just be rich. And when I get to medical school, it'll all be better for me. And, you know, I get to medical school and I find out medical school is just a bunch of Chads and Stacys who are not only better looking than me, all having sex with each other, but they're smarter than I am too. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you know what's funny? That's true. That's how I felt when I got into medical school. I'm like, who are all these Chads and Stacys? Yeah. No, seriously, medical school for me, UCSF, 1995 when I started, I got into the class and it's a class of 140 people and fucking immediately felt like I was back in high school. Yeah. All the same social hierarchies. There were the beautiful people. There were the stoners. There were the nerds. There was the Asian crowd. They all clicked off. And the beautiful people were, they were the Chaz and Stacey. The differences, they were fucking brilliant. Right. So every- And they all became orthopods. Every one of them. <laughs> or, every, or a dermatologist ev- or, or plastic surgeon. Every single one. Uh, but the idea that then this, this coping mechanism that the incels probably have, which is, well, at least they're dumb and I have that. It goes away. It goes away. Yeah. So now you have to step up and go, okay, it's not about that fucking shit. It's about right. the, what am I, what's my purpose in the universe. Right. Who, what am I gonna step up and become, yeah. right, instead of being a, I fucking hate it, dude. You just have to not say, like, you know, you have to not tell yourself that story. Yeah. That all my nows up until this now were terrible, and so all my future nows will be terrible because past results Momentum. are the best indicator of future results. <laughs> exactly. Past, <laughs> past, past results are, 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 are the good indicator of future results, they're not. And so you have to tell yourself, no, right now is the moment it changes and the right. future is wide open and it doesn't have to be like the past was. And right. The past is just a story I tell myself. Now, from a practical standpoint, we are the conditioned subminds. So all these unconscious subminds have been conditioned by all the past. So breaking through that conditioning is something that Eckhart Tolle talks about. This is why Jordan Peterson is telling everybody to clean their rooms. You know, <laughs> get your house in order. Yeah, As yeah, if yeah, your yeah, room clean is clean, you can go to the gym. If you can go to the gym, you can put on nice clothes. If you can put on nice clothes, you can go into a mating and environment like a nightclub and you can you know have more success than you have in the past right or you can go on uh, whatever tinder or whatever and you can have more success than you've had in the past this is another reason why they hate like on tinder they're like i'm ugly i'm not gonna get any swipes on tinder like, nobody swipes on me bro you know and they talk about this on the forums and stuff it's like man up dude have something to offer the opposite side. yeah, yeah, like, yeah just yeah. man up yeah you know? yeah and, and 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 women have this problem too it's a probably a different dynamic but everybody you know, it's all this idea of like i'm in this trapped in this thing that I can't do anything about. It's every, every human condition is the same. They're all the same version of that 
Yeah. They're all the different flavors of that story. Yeah. I'm trapped because yeah. of X, Y, and Z. Yeah. You know? There's a lot of people um, defending Gene Simmons' not only handsomeness, but his story and his uh, tenacity and grit. I, I admire his tenacity and grit. Good God, is he ugly, though. That makes, that makes his story better. Well, to me, it does. Yeah. Yeah. Although I actually strangely find him not so ugly. Wow, that's You know gross. why? Because, yeah, I'm that's conditioned gross. by that kind of face, being in the, in, the, in the Zoroastrian community. Like, you need a good nose on you. Know, you. He's tall. He's a tall guy, so he's got is that he? going oh, for him. Oh, he has that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. See, I never had that. Five foot five. That's why you had to develop a good personality. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. My skeleton's fucked up, Tom Heinever, so I had to, I had to become Z Dog MD to get laid. Except that I was already married. So, uh, I think, boy, we're at an hour, man. All right, we can wrap it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you so, want to bitch out like that? That's cool. <laughs> no, I just, you know, I think an hour is a good, solid, you know, round number for the supporters. And if you're not a supporter. You should be, because you could be watching this. Uh, hopefully this was useful. I mean, there are a lot of comments. i got to go through and read them, because their supporters not I know, like I to can't see comments. the stupid See More button. is not working for yeah, me. Take a look. The it doesn't more, work. The, the See More, more button. Butts button. Yeah. See if there's work. any comments you want to read. Maybe pick one, and we'll go out with it. All right, I'm going to read this I one. I like this water. Wait, no, not this one. I'm going to read this it's one. It's half full. I'm an optimist. While he's looking at shit. Let me see, let me see, let me see what we got. Tom Heineber. Tom Heineber has a really fucked up skeleton. This is tremendously awkward. Women believe it's their fault and no one else's. We're conditioned to hate ourselves. Who said that? Michelle says, Michelle Diane. Yeah. You know what? Done so, not, Isn't not everyone conditioned to hate themselves? No, I think men God, hate themselves. We just don't talk. About we it. don't talk about it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's true. We just don't talk. Women about think it. that that's it's their sort of personal kind of pain hating yourself. Dude, men hate themselves so hard. Yeah. Like it's amazing. They hate themselves so hard that when they decide they're going to kill themselves, they shoot themselves in the head. Right. They use the most violent possible means. Men to do don't it. make a half-ass attempt to kill no, themselves. No, no, no. They, they're they like, make sure they're like, you're a piece of shit. I'm gonna make sure you die. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I hate you so much. I'm that's gonna go true. right to the heart of this. And and this is, so, I think pain is universal. There are yeah. different flavors of it, and and actually, I think it lessens. Um, it lessens the, the importance of trying to address these issues. But, but definitely women, and, and the societal conditioning of it is, is tremendously maladaptive. Lisa Mingus says, Gene is not ugly, Tom. Gene is like 6'5 and a hot dude. See, being tall gets you a lot of credit. It wins you a lot of points. When we yeah. did the white privilege uh, scale, where you scored off the charts, yeah. part of that privilege scale was height. Yes, because yeah. I'm tall. Because yeah. you're tall, yeah. 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 Uh, so you had a few things going for you, although you had a bad, so you had some bad nicks on your record. What was it? I forget. It was, was like it? you grew up in, like I think having a dysfunctional family was a bad thing. Or, yeah, yeah. So that, that dinged me a little. It dinged you, yeah. So sad. I know, you could have been perfect. Yeah, that's why I'm trying to get my, I'm trying to fix the sins of the past and get my daughter's white privilege score to 100%. You know? I think with a little hard work and dedication, you can do that, <laughs> Tom Heinever. I will work hard to help you attain. Uh. <laughs> We're out. I think we're out. We're out. Yeah. Ah, Thanks yeah. for joining us. This was fun. Gene for Simmons, me. you're ugly. You ugly. U G L Y. You ain't got no alibi. You ugly. Make that a kiss song. My hips. Well, God, shit. What were those marches we used to do in school? Uh, my butt shakes. My belt's too tight. My hips quake from <laughs> left to right. Come on. Come on. Listen, he knows he's ugly. It doesn't mean I'm not jealous of him. 
You know who's not ugly? This guy right here. <laughs> love you, Tad. Seriously, I do love you. We out! Hey, it's Dr. Z. Thanks for getting through the whole episode. That's a huge accomplishment. <laughs> and so at this point, I just got to ask you for a few favors because it just helps us so much if you leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe. It, it just really helps the algorithms to get this message out to others. The second thing is email me, hello at zdogmd.com. I get all these emails personally. I can't respond to them all, but I need to hear your voice because especially on podcast, we don't have a comment section. And I wanna hear how this episode affected you, what you'd like to hear in the future, what you think we got wrong, what we think we got right, anything, anything, or just say hi. So that's really powerful. And the third thing is, Financially, it helps us a lot to support the show in any way you can. And if you go to zdogmd.com forward slash supporters, you can join our supporter tribe on your favorite platform, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, wherever. What that will get you on those platforms is live shows with me that are exclusive for supporters and access to our Zoom meetings where we talk about awakening realization and we share with each other our own experience. It's a powerful group effect. It's a community, really. And we support and love each other and share, again, through our own experience, how we're waking up. So, and that that ripples out into systems, into transforming healthcare and education and government. So it st really starts with us. So join us there if you can. Again, zdogmd.com forward slash supporters. And I'm so grateful to have you with us.